Chapter Ten, Part Two. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Then Sir Beaumains, being healed of his wounds, armed himself and took his horse and spear and rode straight to the castle of Dame Lyonnais, for greatly he desired to see her. But when he came to the gate, they closed it fast and pulled the drawbridge up. And as he marvelled thereat, he saw the lady Lyonnaise standing at a window, who said, Go thy way as yet, Sir Beaumains, for thou shalt not wholly have my love until thou be among the worthiest knights of all the world. Go, therefore, and labour yet in arms for twelve months more, and then return to me. Alas, fair lady, said Sir Beaumains, I have scarce deserved this of thee, for sure I am that I have bought thy love with all the best blood in my body. Be not aggrieved, fair knight, said she, for none of thy service is forgot or lost. Twelve months will soon be passed in noble deeds, and trust that to my death I shall love thee, and not another. And with that she turned and left the window. So Sir Beaumains rode away from the castle, very sorrowful at heart, and rode he knew not whither, and lay that night in a poor man's cottage. On the morrow he went forward, and came at noon to a broad lake, and thereby he alighted, being very sad and weary, and rested his head upon his shield, and told his dwarf to keep watch while he slept. Now as soon as he had departed, the Lady Lyonnaise repented and greatly longed to see him back, and asked her sister many times of what lineage he was, but the damsel would not tell her, being bound by her oath to Sir Beaumains, and said his dwarf best knew. So she called Sir Gringamors, her brother who dwelt with her, and prayed him to ride after Sir Beaumains till he found him sleeping, and then take his dwarf away and bring him back to her. Anon Sir Gringamors departed, and rode till he came to Sir Beaumains, and found him as he lay sleeping by the waterside. Then stepping stealthily behind the dwarf, he caught him in his arms and rode off in haste, and though the dwarf cried loudly to his lord for help, and woke Sir Beaumains, Yet though he rode full quickly after him, he could not overtake Sir Gringamors. When Dame Lyonnaise saw her brother come back, she was passing glad of heart, and forthwith asked the dwarf his master's lineage. "'He is a king's son,' said the dwarf, "'and his mother is King Arthur's sister. His name is Sir Gareth of Orkney, and he is brother to the good knight Sir Gawain.' but I pray you suffer me to go back to my lord, for truly he will never leave this country till he have me again. But when the lady Lyonnaise knew her deliverer was come of such kingly stock, she longed more than ever to see him again. Now as Sir Beaumains rode in vain to rescue his dwarf, he came to a fair green road, and met a poor man of the country, and asked him had he seen a knight on a black horse riding with a dwarf of a sad countenance behind him. Yea, said the man, I met with such a knight an hour agone, and his name is Sir Gringamors. He liveth at a castle two miles from hence. But he is a perilous knight, and I counsel ye not to follow him, save ye bear him good will. Then Sir Beaumains followed the path which the poor man showed him, and came to the castle, 
and riding to the gate in great anger he drew his sword and cried aloud sir gringamores thou traitor deliver me my dwarf again or by my knighthood it shall be ill for thee then sir gringamores looked out of a window and said sir gareth of orkney leave thy boasting words for thou wilt not get thy dwarf again but the lady lyones said to her brother nay brother i will that he have his dwarf for he hath done much for me and delivered me from the knight of the redlands and well do i love him above all other knights so sir gringamores went down to sir gareth and cried him mercy and prayed him to alight and take good cheer then he alighted and his dwarf ran to him and when he was in the hall came the lady lyones dressed royally like a princess and sir gareth was right glad at heart when he saw her then she told him how she had made her brother take away his dwarf and bring him back to her and then she promised him her love and faithfully to cleave to him and none other all the days of her life and so they plighted their troth to each other then sir gringamores prayed him to sojourn at the castle which willingly he did for said he i have promised to quit the court for twelve months though sure i am that in the meanwhile i shall be sought and found by my lord king arthur and many others so he sojourned long at the castle anon the knights sir perseant sir paramones and sir pertolope whom sir gareth had overthrown went to king arthur's court with all the knights who did them service and told the king they had been conquered by a knight of his named beaumains and as they yet were talking it was told the king there came another great lord with five hundred knights who entering in did homage and declared himself to be the knight of the redlands but my true name said he is ironside and i am hither sent by one sir beaumains who conquered me and charged me to yield unto your grace thou art welcome said king arthur for thou hast been long a foe to me and mine and truly i am much beholden to the knight who sent thee and now sir ironside if thou wilt amend thy life and hold of me i will entreat thee as a friend and make thee knight of the round table but thou mayest no more be a murderer of noble knights then the knight of the redlands knelt to the king and told him of his promise to sir beaumains to use nevermore such shameful customs and how he had so done but at the prayer of a lady whom he loved then knelt he to sir launcelot and sir gawain and prayed their pardon for the hatred he had borne them but the king and all the court marvelled greatly who sir beaumains was for said the king he is a full noble knight then said sir launcelot truly he is come of honourable blood else had i not given him the order of knighthood but he charged me that i should conceal his secret now as they talked thus it was told king arthur that his sister the queen of orkney was come to the court with a great retinue of knights and ladies then was there great rejoicing and the king rose and saluted his sister and her sons sir gawain sir agravaine and sir gaharis knelt before her and asked her blessing for during fifteen years last past they had not seen her anon she said where is my youngest son sir gareth 
for I know that he was here a twelve-month with you, and that ye made a kitchen knave of him. Then the king and all the knights knew that Sir Beaumains and Sir Gareth were the same. Truly, said the king, I knew him not. Nor I, said Sir Gawain, and both his brothers. Then said the king, God be thanked, fair sister, that he is proved as worshipful a knight as any now alive, and by the grace of heaven he shall be found forthwith, if he be anywhere within these seven realms. Then said Sir Gawain and his brethren, Lord, if ye will give us leave, we will go seek him. But Sir Launcelot said, It were better that the king should send a messenger to Dame Lyonese, and pray her to come hither with all speed, and she will counsel where ye shall find him. It is well said, replied the king, and sent a messenger quickly unto Dame Lyonese. When she heard the message, she promised that she would come forthwith, and told Sir Gareth what the messenger had said, and asked him what to do. "'I pray you,' said he, "'tell them not where I am. But when my lord King Arthur asketh for me, advise him thus, that he proclaim a tournament before this castle on Assumption Day, and that the knight who proveth best shall win yourself and all your lands.' So the lady Lyonnaise departed, and came to King Arthur's court and there was right nobly welcomed. But when they asked her where Sir Gareth was, she said she could not tell. But, Lord, said she, with thy good will, I will proclaim a tournament before my castle on the Feast of the Assumption, whereof the prize shall be myself and all my lands. Then, if it be proclaimed that you, Lord, and your knights will be there, I will find knights on my side to fight you and yours, and thus am I sure ye will hear tidings of Sir Gareth. Be it so done, replied the king. So Sir Gareth sent messengers privily to Sir Perseant and Sir Ironsides, and charged them to be ready on the day appointed with their companies of knights to aid him and his party against the king. And when they were arrived, he said, Now be ye well assured that we shall be matched with the best knights of the world, and therefore must we gather all the good knights we can find. So proclamation was made throughout all England, Wales, Scotland, Ireland, and Cornwall, and in the out isles and other countries, that at the feast of the Assumption of Our Lady next coming, all knights who came to joust at Castle Perilous should make choice whether they would side with the king or with the castle. And then came many good knights on the side of the castle, Sir Epinogris, the son of the king of Northumberland, and Sir Palamedes the Saracen, and Sir Grumor Grumorsum, a good knight of Scotland, and Sir Brian des Isles, a noble knight, and Sir Carados of the Tower Dolores, and Sir Tristram, who as yet was not a knight of the round table, and many others. But none among them knew Sir Gareth, for he took no more upon him than any mean person. And on King Arthur's side there came the King of Ireland, and the King of Scotland, and the noble prince Sir Galahout, Sir Gawain and his brothers Sir Agravain and Sir Gaharis, Sir Ewain, Sir Tor, Sir Percival, Sir Lamorak, Sir Lancelot also, and his kindred Sir Lionel, Sir Ector, Sir Bors, and Sir Bedivere. 
likewise sir kay and the most part of the table round the two queens also queen guinevere and the queen of orkney sir gareth's mother came with the king so there was a great array both within and without the castle with all manner of feasting and minstrelsy now before the tournament began sir gareth privily prayed dame lyonnaise sir gringamors sir ironside and sir perseant that they would in no wise disclose his name nor make more of him than any common knight then said dame lyonnaise dear lord i pray thee take this ring which hath the power to change the wearer's clothing into any colour he may will and guardeth him from any loss of blood but give it me again i pray thee when the tournament is done for it greatly increaseth my beauty whensoever i wear it gramercy mine own lady said sir gareth i wished for nothing better for now i may be certainly disguised as long as i will then sir gringamors gave sir gareth a bay courser there was a passing good horse with sure armour and a noble sword won by his father from a heathen tyrant and then every knight made him ready for the tournament so on the day of the assumption when mass and matins were said the heralds blew their trumpets and sounded for the tourney anon came out the knights of the castle and the knights of king arthur and matched themselves together then sir epinogris son of the king of northumberland a knight of the castle encountered sir ewain and both broke off their spears short in their hands then came sir palamedes from the castle and met sir gawain and they so heartily smote each other that both knights and horses fell to the earth then sir tristram from the castle encountered with sir bedivere and smote him to the earth horse and man then the knight of the redlands and sir gareth met with sir bors and sir bleoberis and the knight of the redlands and sir bors smote together so hard that their spears burst and their horses fell grovelling to the ground and sir bleoberis brake his spear upon sir gareth but himself was hurled upon the ground when sir gallihoden saw that he bade sir gareth keep him but sir gareth lightly smote him to the earth then sir gallihud got a spear to avenge his brother but was served in a like manner and sir dinadam and his brother lacote male tile and sir sagramor le desirous and dodinus le savage he bore down all with one spear when king anguish of ireland saw this he marvelled what that knight could be who seemed at one time green and at another blue for so at every course he changed his colour that none might know him then he ran towards him and encountered him and sir gareth smote the king from his horse saddle and all and in a like manner he served the king of scotland and king uriens of gore and king bagdemagus then sir galahout the noble prince cried out knight of the many colours thou hast jousted well now make thee ready to joust with me when sir gareth heard him he took a great spear and met him swiftly and the prince's spear broke off but sir gareth smote him on the left side of the helm so that he reeled here and there and had fallen down had not his men recovered him by my faith said king arthur that knight of the many colours is a good knight i pray thee sir lancelot du lac encounter with him 
Lord, said Sir Lancelot, by thy leave I will forbear. I find it in my heart to spare him at this time, for he hath done enough work for one day, and when a good knight doth so well, it is no knightly part to hinder him from this honour. And peradventure his quarrel is here to-day, and he may be the best beloved of the Lady Lyonnaise of all that be here, for I see well that he paineth and forceth himself to do great deeds. Therefore, as for me, this day he shall have the honour, for though I were able to put him from it, I would not. "'You speak well and truly,' said the king. Then after the tilting they drew swords, and there began a great tournament, and there Sir Lancelot did marvellous deeds of arms, for first he fought with both Sir Tristram and Sir Carados, albeit they were the most perilous in all the world. Then came Sir Gareth and put them asunder, but would not smite a stroke against Sir Lancelot, for by him he had been knighted. Anon Sir Gareth's helm had need of mending, and he rode aside to see to it, and to drink water, for he was sore athirst with all his mighty feats of strength. And while he drank, his dwarf said to him, Give me your ring, lest ye lose it while ye drink. So Sir Gareth took it off, and when he had finished drinking he rode back eagerly to the field, and in his haste forgot to take the ring again. Then all the people saw that he wore yellow armor, and King Arthur told a herald, Ride and espy the cognizance of that brave knight, for I have asked many who he is, and none can tell me. Then the herald rode near, and saw written round about his helmet in letters of gold, Sir Gareth of Orkney. And instantly the herald cried his name aloud, and all men pressed to see him. But when he saw he was discovered, he pushed with haste through all the crowd, and cried to his dwarf, "'Boy, thou hast beguiled me foully in keeping my ring. Give it me again, that I may be hidden.' And as soon as he had put it on, his armour changed again, and no man knew where he had gone. Then he passed forth from the field, but Sir Gawain, his brother, rode after him. And when Sir Gareth had ridden far into the forest, he took off his ring and sent it back by the dwarf to the Lady Lyonnaise, praying her to be true and faithful to him while he was away. Then rode Sir Gareth long through the forest till night fell, and coming to a castle he went up to the gate and prayed the porter to let him in. But churlishly he answered that he should not lodge there. Then said Sir Gareth, Tell thy lord and lady that I am a knight of King Arthur's court, and for his sake I pray their shelter. With that the porter went to the duchess who owned the castle. "'Let him in straight away,' cried she, "'for the king's sake he shall not be harbourless,' and went down to receive him. When Sir Gareth saw her coming, he saluted her, and said, "'Fair lady, I pray you give me shelter for this night, and if there be any champion or giant with whom I must needs fight, spare me till to-morrow, when I and my horse shall have rested.' for we are full weary. Sir Knight, she said, thou speakest boldly, for the lord of this castle is a foe to King Arthur and his court, and if thou wilt rest here to-night, thou must agree that wheresoever thou mayest meet my lord, thou must yield to him as prisoner. 
"'What is thy lord's name, lady?' said Sir Gareth. "'The Duke de la Rouse,' said she. "'I will promise thee,' said he, "'to yield to him if he promise to do me no harm. "'But if he refuse, I will release myself with my sword and spear.' "'It is well,' said the Duchess, "'and commanded the drawbridge to be let down. "'So he rode into the hall and alighted.' and when he had taken off his armour the duchess and her ladies made him passing good cheer and after supper his bed was made in the hall and there he rested that night on the morrow he rose and heard mass and having broken his fast took his leave and departed and as he rode past a certain mountain there met him a knight named sir bendelaine and cried unto him thou shalt not pass unless thou joust with me or be my prisoner then shall we joust replied sir gareth so they let their horses run at full speed and sir gareth smote sir bendelaine through his body so sorely that he scarcely reached his castle ere he fell dead and as sir gareth presently came by the castle sir bendelaine's knights and servants rode out to avenge their lord and twenty of them fell on him at once, although his spear was broken. But drawing his sword, he put his shield before him, and though they brake their spears upon him one and all, and sorely pressed on him, yet ever he defended himself like a noble knight. Anon, finding they could not overcome him, they agreed to slay his horse, and having killed it with their spears, they set upon Sir Gareth as he fought on foot, but every one he struck he slew, and drave at them with fearful blows, till he had slain them all but four who fled. Then taking the horse of one of those who lay there dead, he rode upon his way. Anon he came to another castle, and heard from within a sound as of many women moaning and weeping. Then said he to a page who stood without, What noise is this I hear? sir knight said he there be within thirty ladies the widows of thirty knights who have been slain by the lord of this castle he is called the brown knight without pity and is the most perilous knight living wherefore i warn thee to flee that will i never do said sir gareth for i fear him not then the page saw the brown knight coming and said to gareth lo my lord is near so both knights made them ready and galloped their horses towards each other and the brown knight brake his spear upon sir gareth's shield but sir gareth smote him through the body so that he fell dead at that he rode into the castle and told the ladies he had slain their foe then were they right glad of heart and made him all the cheer they could and thanked him out of measure but on the morrow as he went to mass he found the ladies weeping in the chapel upon divers tombs that were there and he knew that in those tombs their husbands lay then he bade them be comforted and with noble and high words he desired and prayed them all to be at arthur's court on the next feast of pentecost so he departed and rode past a mountain where was a goodly knight waiting who said to him abide sir knight and joust with me how are ye named said sir gareth 
"'I am the Duke de la Rouse,' answered he. "'In good sooth, then,' said Sir Gareth, "'not long ago I lodged within your castle, "'and there promised I would yield to you whenever we might meet.' "'Art thou that proud knight,' said the Duke, "'who was ready to fight with me? "'Guard thyself, therefore, and make ready.' So they ran together, and Sir Gareth smote the duke from his horse. Then they alighted and drew their swords and fought full sorely for the space of an hour, and at the last Sir Gareth smote the duke to the earth and would have slain him, but he yielded. "'Then must ye go,' said Sir Gareth, "'to my lord King Arthur at the next feast of Pentecost, and say that I, Sir Gareth, sent ye.' "'As ye will be it.' said the duke, and gave him up his shield for pledge. And as Sir Gareth rode alone, he saw an armed knight coming towards him, and putting the duke's shield before him, he rode fast to tilt with him, and so they ran together as it had been thunder, and brake their spears upon each other. Then fought they fiercely with their swords, and lashed together with such mighty strokes that blood ran to the ground on every side, and after they had fought together for two hours and more, it chanced the damsel Lynette passed that way, and when she saw them she cried out, Sir Gawain and Sir Gareth, leave your fighting, for ye are brethren. At that they threw away their shields and swords, and took each other in their arms, and wept a great while ere they could speak. And each gave to the other the honour of the battle, and there was many a kind word between them. Then said Sir Gawain, O my brother, for your sake have I had great sorrow and labour, but truly I would honour you, though ye were not my brother. For ye have done great worship to King Arthur and his court, and sent more knights to him than any of the table round except Sir Lancelot. Then the damsel Lynette staunched their wounds, and their horses being weary, she rode her palfrey to King Arthur, and told him of this strange adventure. When she had told her tidings, the king himself mounted his horse, and bade all come with him to meet them. So a great company of lords and ladies went forth to meet the brothers, and when King Arthur saw them he would have spoken hearty words, but for gladness he could not. And both Sir Gawain and Sir Gareth fell down at their uncle's knees and did him homage, and there was passing great joy and gladness among them all. Then the king said to the damsel Lynette, why cometh not the Lady Lyonnaise to visit her knight, Sir Gareth, who hath had such travail for her love? She knoweth not, my lord, that he is here, replied the damsel, for surely she desireth greatly to see him. Go ye, and bring her hither, said the king. So the damsel rode to tell her sister where Sir Gareth was, and when she heard it she rejoiced full heartily, and came with all the speed she could. And when Sir Gareth saw her, there was great joy and comfort between them. And then the king asked Sir Gareth whether he would have that lady for his wife. My lord, replied Sir Gareth, know well that I love her above all ladies living. Now, fair lady, said King Arthur, what say ye? Most noble king, she answered, my lord Sir Gareth is my first love, and shall be my last and if I may not have him for my husband, I will have none. 
Then said the king to them, Be well assured that for my crown I would not be the cause of parting your two hearts. Then was high preparation made for the marriage, for the king desired it should be at the Michaelmas next following, at Kinkenadon by the sea. So Sir Gareth sent out messages to all the knights whom he had overcome in battle, that they should be there upon his marriage day. Therefore, at the next Michaelmas, came a goodly company to Kinkenadon by the sea, and there did the Archbishop of Canterbury marry Sir Gareth and the Lady Lyonnaise with all solemnity. And all the knights whom Sir Gareth had overcome were at the feast, and every manner of revels and games was held with music and minstrelsy, and there was a great jousting for three days. But because of his bride, the king would not suffer Sir Gareth to joust. Then did King Arthur give great lands and fair, with store of gold, to Sir Gareth and his wife, that so they might live royally together to their lives' end. End of chapter 10 Recording by Thomas Rose